Mets fans, welcome back to this week's episode of Raise the Apple. The Mets just finished up their three-game series in Atlanta, taking two out of three. A huge, huge series. They lost last night in the middle game. One game one, one today. That was huge. The Mets don't have to keep sweeping. They don't have to sweep the Braves out, but they if they keep winning series, that's all they got to do. They just got to keep winning the series against the Braves, and they shouldn't have any problems holding it off. Because like I said in the last episode, there's 15 games left, or now 12 games left against Atlanta. Those 12 games are going to determine this division. So if the Mets can keep winning those series, they should have no problem holding Atlanta off. Now they will head to Chicago for a four-game series where on Friday, to close out the first half, where on Friday we will get to see Marcus Stroman against the Mets for the first time since Stroman signed, let me try English, signed with the Cubs. And it should be that should be a good matchup, and I say that because Stroman did leave with some harsh words for the Mets. Uh, did not leave on very good terms with New York. Complained about a lot of... Uh, clubhouse issues and claims of racism from fans that the Mets did nothing about when he went to them about it and all that kind of stuff. Stroman has made his name known on social media as being very, I guess for lack of a better word, loud with his personal opinions on things and being very vocal about himself, which has rubbed some fans the wrong way. And that should make Friday all the more interesting between the Cubs. They will play tomorrow night and then three afternoon games to close out the first half. And then we got the All-Star Game and Home Run Derby festivities on Monday and Tuesday. Then two days off and then the Mets return home that Friday. And so next Friday against the Padres to kick off the second half of the year. But we got a little bit to dive into today. One of which is the Mets catching situation. So Gary Cohen brought it up today during the broadcast. So right now you have James McCann going back on the aisle with that oblique injury. You have Nito as your primary catcher with Mazika as a backup. All three of them have done fantastic defensively. They've done great defensively. There's nothing stopping that. But offensively, the catcher production's been a little wacky. You got two more years tied to McCann. Francisco Alvarez is waiting in the wings. This series in Chicago, the the booth was talking about potentially the Mets making, maybe looking at Wilson Contreras a little more closely during this series as a possible trade piece. Wilson Contreras is figured to be the hot commodity at the trade deadline. He's going to be the big get. And if the Mets are willing to go get him, he would be a rental because he's a free agent after this year. So you'd have him for the rest of the year to make your push. And then you'd have Francisco Alvarez waiting in the wings. Do them if the Mets. The only problem is the Cubs in rebuild mode are most likely going to want prospects. The Mets are very top heavy on prospects with Marcusio, Vientos, Beatty, Francisco Alvarez. Those are their big guys. They don't have a lot of depth in terms of prospects. They have a lot of top end guys, but not a lot of depth. So the Mets would, I would think, have to give up one of those four packaged with maybe a J.D. Davis or a Dom Smith and maybe something else. I don't know. But I I don't know if the Mets are going to will have the asking price that the Cubs are going to want for Contreras considering Contreras is going to be the guy that everyone wants. Contreras is probably going to have the highest asking price of most guys that are available. I don't know if the Mets are going to be willing to meet 
the Cubs' asking price. I think at this point you might just ride with McCann and Nito, or at this point, Nito and Mazika until Francisco Alvarez is ready. If Francisco Alvarez is raking by the end of the year in AAA still and you bring him up as a September call-up, put him in the DH role and let him work on his defense to finish out the year and see what happens with that, you could do that. But it's the catcher situation with the Mets is really one that's going to play out interesting where rough math, maybe 19 days roughly, 18 or 19 days from the trade deadline. So the series in Chicago, I'm sure the Mets will keep a close look on Contreras, although I don't know if the Mets are going to be willing to meet the asking price of Contreras. And considering what the Cubs would want, I don't know. Doesn't seem likely, but I'm not going to underestimate Steve Cohen and Billy Appler for getting something done. I personally think the Mets have higher needs than catcher. I think they need to maybe get another arm in that rotation or prioritize getting some bullpen help, particularly a lefty. If they can get a lefty arm in that bullpen, maybe pick up uh, another starter that they could put into a long reliever role when everyone comes back healthy, or maybe they can move some other guys around in other trades. That would be ideal. But if the Mets go make a splash and get Wilson Contreras, I'm not going to complain with that either. I would think... Mercusio is probably of, excuse me, of the four top Mets prospects: Mercusio, Vientos, Beatty, and Francisco Alvarez. I think Mercusio, because of Lindor and the extension, and then how well McNeil does at second. I think Mercusio might be the odd man out. That might be an unpopular take, but I do think that potentially Mercusio would, if any of those prospects were to be traded, it would be him. Beatty's the third baseman of the future of this team. Alvarez is the catcher of the future for this team. Vientos will probably play a DH role for this team with Pete being at first. But overall, I if the Mets can make this work, I'll take it. But I don't know if necessarily they're going to have the pieces that the Cubs are going to want to get this done. But let's look over in the American League for a second before we go around the horn. The Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles have won nine straight and are back at 500. They have won nine straight for the first time since 1999. They are two games out of a playoff spot. They had 52 wins all in all of 2021, and they are currently at 44 wins. And how far back are they in the division? They're not going to catch the Yankees, which I have. We'll talk about the Yankees in a sec, but the Orioles are 17 and a half back of the Yankees, only two games back of Toronto, three games back of Boston, and three and a half back of Tampa. Can Baltimore sustain it? I would love to see that. I would love to see Baltimore kind of come out of absolutely nowhere and shock everyone. They've been so good at home. They're 25 and 17 at home. They have a run differential of minus 12. They are 19 and 27 on the road. They're in or they're yes, they're at Chicago tonight to close out that series. And who do they got next to finish out the first half? Next they are heading If this will load for me. 
The Orioles finished in Chicago, and then they head to Tampa to finish out the first half. So that'll be a big series in Tampa for the Orioles. I bet you didn't think you'd say the Orioles are playing in a big series at all in 2022, but here they are, just two games out of a playoff spot. And the team in front of them, the Toronto Blue Jays, made some decisions today. They have fired Charlie Montoyo as their manager. They're 2-8 in their last 10, 46-42 on the year, 15.5 back in the division, and in fourth place in the AL East. In a playoff spot, if the season ended today, they won last night. I don't know the I don't know how I feel about this yet. I think it's too early to tell if this was a good move for Toronto. The fact that I figured the next manager to be fired was going to be Tony Larusa, and the I don't know how anyone else got fired. The argument with Tony Larusa is a separate one. Like if you're in favor or against him. But in the manager list of everyone that was probably going to get fired, I did not have Toronto, Toronto firing Montoyo at all, let alone this early in the season. So that was kind of a big shock today. Came just before the first pitch of the Mets game. That news broke. Uh, what the Blue Jays will do after that, they can get going, get some magic going. I still have my World Series pick as Mets Blue Jays. So, and the Blue Jays, if the season ended today, they're in the playoffs, but they need, they their offense has been good, but they need their pitching to be better. Her, Burrios was great last night, but in general, Burrios has not been that good this year. So, if they can, Alec Manoa, oh my goodness, that man has been unreal. But if Toronto can get some more consistency going... I think they'll be in good shape. I don't. I don't. Again, it's too early to tell if firing Montoya was the right decision, but that's one of those. The Blue Jays are going to have a very. It seems that they're going to have a very short leash with trying to get this thing going again. So we're going to have to wait and see what ter- happens with Toronto. Baltimore's knocking on the door. So that AL East, the Yankees are going to run away with it. But from second to last is at the moment is a wild card. Is way up in the air as to what can happen with that. But speaking with the Yankees, the last thing uh, before we get into our roundup and go around the horn, Jared Carabas, who is a podcast host with DraftKings, hosts Baseball is Dead podcast with Jared, or, with, excuse me, with Dallas Braden. He said, I saw a TikTok video he said, and he said that Aaron Boone should win manager of the year. And it's because the Yankees are a team, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but essentially said the Yankees are a team of average players that are performing above average. Is why they've been so good. Aaron Boone has made average players above average. And I started thinking about that. And outside of Aaron Judge... When you look at this Yankees lineup, if I just pull it up quick, Yankees depth chart. Obviously, you got Garrett Cole. Your, your catcher is Jose, Jose Trevino. First base, LeMahieu. Second base, Glaber. Third base, Donaldson. Shortstop, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Outfield of Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. Rizzo's your DH. Gallo in there, too. Matt Carpenter in there, too. It's a very accurate statement. 
I think the the Yankees are getting Aaron Judge, and then everyone else overperforming what their expectations were. Maybe there's a couple cases that exceptions to that, like a DJ. Well, how is DJ LeMahieu doing this year? Rizzo's probably exceeding what a lot of people thought he was going to do this year. LeMahieu has not been that good his normal self. Glaber Torres has kind of fallen off a little bit. So I would that's a it's a pretty good I would that's say I'd say that's a pretty fair statement is that the Yankees are a bunch of average players that are exceeding expectations and playing well above average. With the exception of Aaron Judge, I think, because I think Aaron Judge is what's carrying the Yankees right now, is his MVP terror that he's on right now. But I thought that was, it made me think a little bit, and I thought that was very interesting. And it made it even more interesting because it segues kind of a little bit into Around the Horn, where there's some all-star game stuff we got to talk about. So, first of all, let's start at first base. Or, excuse me, first base. Yes. We'll start at first base with the Home Run Derby. Five of the eight contestants have been announced. Pete Alonso's going for the Mets, as expected. Going for the three-peat would be the second player ever to win three Home Run Derbies, should he win, with Ken Griffey Jr. being the other. He'd be the first to do it three straight years. Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber in there, as well as Albert Pujols is going to come back to the Derby, which I think is awesome. I'm excited to see that. Uh, I think Albert Pujols should be getting a better goodbye to baseball than he's getting. But three spots to fill. That's going to be All-American League guys. The OCD in me likes the four and four, four guys from each league. But obviously we're going to have five and three. Maybe, I don't know, six and two or something like that. I don't know in the American League. Judge has already said no. Vladdy's already said no. Stanton is presumably supposed to say yes. I don't know who else would throw their hat in the ring and see what happens. Maybe Otani gives it another go. Maybe Mike Trout will want to give it a go. I don't know. We'll have to see who the other three contestants are. But I still got Pete. I'm still riding with Pete. I think he's going to find a way to win a third one. But that should that's going to be exciting to watch. Monday is the Home Run Derby. Tuesday is the All-Star Game, so we're going to head to second. Talk about the All-Star Game. The starters and the reserves have been announced. The Mets will be sending four All-Stars to L.A. Pete Alonso, Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil, and Edwin Diaz. Uh, you could also made the argument that Taiwan Walker and Brandon Nimmo were the two snubs of the Mets team. I think at least Taiwan Walker should have been there. But... The Mets do have four All-Stars, which is the most they've had in a long time, so I'm very happy with those guys getting it. I think they all deserve it. So let's start in the American League, the starters. At catcher, Alejandro Kirk. First base, Vlad Jr. Second, Altuve. Third, Devers. Shortstop, Tim Anderson. And then an outfield of Judge, Trout, and Stanton. And Otani as your DH. The legacy selection for the American League, like we talked about last episode, is Miguel Cabrera. And then, oh boy, I got a mouthful of names here. I'm going to try and run through them quick. Reserves, we got Jose Trevino, Luis Arise, Andres Jimenez. Good for him. Went to the Guardians in the Lindor trade. Jose Ramirez, Bogarts, Buxton, Kyle Tucker, Springer, 
Andrew Benintendi, Julio Rodriguez, Jordan Alvarez, J.D. Martinez. Then your pitchers. You got Shane McClanahan, who's probably the front runner to start. Verlander, Alec Manoa, Nasty Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole Otani, Black Paul Blackburn, Martin Perez, Fran Valdez, and then in the bullpen, Clay Holmes, Emmanuel Klaas, Jorge Lopez, and Gregory Soto. The biggest thing, I, the biggest problem I have with the American League All Star All Stars is that Giancarlo Stanton should not be starting in left field. One thousand Stanton shouldn't even be an All Star in my opinion. If I pull up, oh, I just exited out of the tab that I wanted open. If I pull up Stanton's stats this year. I don't think he's had an all-star year, in my opinion, let alone starting. Hitting 237 with 22 homers, 56 RBIs, a on-base percentage. Oh, my computer's being stupid today. On-base percentage of 319, OPS of 826, and a war of 1.2. Jordan Alvarez, who I know is hurt right now, but should be starting in... He did, wasn't going to get the DH roll over Otani. He should be starting in left field. He's hitting 306 with an on-base of 405, OPS of over 1,000, 26 homers, 60 RBIs, and a war of 4.1. That is not starting the All-Star game, but Giancarlo Stanton is. I don't understand that. I really don't. But, again, that leads to the debate if fans should continue to be voting on the All-Star game. I think they should. A lot of people will say that like they don't like the each team has to have one representative on it. I like that rule because when you have the All-Star game, you're celebrating the game of baseball. When you have every team represented there, I think that's what the whole point of it is. You have to you just you're celebrating the game. You need every team represented. A lot of people say like, "Oh, guys like Paul Blackburn and Jorge Lopez, Gregory Soto shouldn't be there because they're on bad teams." Well, every team should be represented at the celebration of the game. And the fact that Otani was made the team as a pitcher and is starting as the DH <laughs> just shows how good Otani is. In the National League, the starters, you got Wilson Contreras at catcher, first base is Goldschmidt, second base Jazz, third Machado, short Turner, outfield of Acuna, Peterson, Betts, DH Harper. Their legacy selection is Albert Pujols, like we talked about. Bryce Harper being injured. He's not going to be able to start. William Contreras of the Braves is starting at DH for the National League, which I think is ridiculous. I think that Pete Alonso should be starting at DH when you have him in the MVP race. Not having him start over William Contreras, even though Brian Snicker is the manager of the Braves. Probably only put him there because his brother is starting a catcher. But that's a rant for another day. So you got William Contreras and Garrett Cooper as the reserves along with Darno, Pete, C.J. Crone, Jeff McNeil, Nolan Arenado, Dansby Swanson, Schwarber, Marte, Ian Happ, Juan Soto. And then the starting pitchers, you got Alcantara, Corbin Burns, Musgrove, Max Fried, Tony Gonsolin, Castillo, Kershaw, Rodon, Hader, Diaz, Ryan Hesley, David Bednar of the Pirates, and Joe Mantiply of Diamondbacks, if I said that correctly. So, that's my biggest thing with the National League is having William Contreras as a starting DH. 
I understand. I guess I understand why Snicker chose that. I think it's. I don't like that. I don't. I think that he should have gone with who should be the best, not. Oh, this guy's brother's starting. He's my player, so I'm gonna put him as a starter. I don't really like that. But you know, I'm not Brian Snicker. I don't get paid the big bucks. I didn't. I'm not coming off a World Series win, so. I don't, I don't know I don't know what that one which brings us to third snub snubs of the all-star game I already said Jordan Alvarez should be starting I've already already brought up Nimmo and Taiwan Walker should be all-stars brought up Pete should be starting I think the biggest snub is that Ty France is not an all-star at all let's look at this quick because there were some big names uh studs that should have been all-stars that were not made all-stars and I think Ty France was probably the biggest of that group and I my computer is being dumb today all right let's try this again if we look up who were in general what are I think probably looking at this quick, a lot of people would say Austin Riley, Brandon Jury, Josh Bell, uh, Dylan Cease, Ty- Taylor Ward, Dylan Cease, and Ty France are probably the top three biggest snubs in my opinion in the AL and then in the NL. I would agree with Josh Bell, Austin Riley, and Brandon Jury. I did not realize until uh, that Red Series how great of a year Brandon Jury is having. Sitting about 270 with 17 homers and about 50 RBIs, just under 50. He's having a very good year. And I think, again, because he's on a bad team, that gets very overlooked. But there's always snubs every year. Uh, obviously, rosters can change with guys being injured or saying, I don't want to play, so that I have to fill that roster spot with someone else. But those are some guys that I think should have gotten in on their own merit. Ty France, Dylan Cease. Uh, Taylor Ward, and then you also got guys like Austin Riley, Drury. I mean, there is so there was a lot more snubs that appeared this year than there has been in years past. But that's the All Star game. There's always going to be snubs, which is annoying. And uh, guys should be there that sh- that aren't, and guys that are there that shouldn't be there, which is annoying. Which again comes back to should the fans still be able to vote on the All Star game? Because you look at the Blue Jays, they got an entire country voting for them, which there's nothing anyone can really do about that. I mean, fans got to get out and vote. So, that's, it's, it is what it is. That's really all there is with the All-Star game. So, we are going to round third and head home with this day in baseball history. 1934, Babe Ruth hit his 700th career home run in a 4-2 victory over Tommy Bridges and the Tigers. Lou Gehrig left in the first with a severe case of Lumbago, the most serious threat to his consecutive game streak. He returned for one at bat the next day. What is Lumbago? Low back pain. That sounded like it was a lot worse. A severe case of Lumbago. It's worded like it is. It's lower back pain, but it makes it. Se- it makes it seem like it's a lot worse. Oh, it may require surgery. Maybe that's why they were worried about it breaking his streak. 
Because that made it was worded like that is a lot worse of a thing. But that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. The Mets took two out of three from the Braves. They got a four-game set in Chicago against the Cubbies to close out the first half of the year. Still in first place, the lead is now two and a half games over Atlanta after this series. Make sure you follow on TikTok and subscribe on YouTube, follow on Twitter, all that good stuff. And we will see you guys next week. We'll do a Mets first half of the season wrap-up and preview to the second half along with the rest of baseball. And it's probably going to be a two-part episode. Might release, make one episode and split it excuse me, in half and then release a part one and a part two talking about everything from the first half, what to look forward to in the second half, and then what to look out for with the trade deadline getting closer and closer. What are the Mets going to do? That'll be a lot of fun to see how that happens. But we will see you guys next week's episode. Let's go Mets.